0: Hello, everyone! Uh, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the CSM Practice Podcast. My name is Irie Ezips. I am the Chief Customer Officer and CEO of CSM Practices, which is the number one customer success consulting firm in the world. One of the reasons I started this podcast a few years ago is because, first of all, it gives me treat to talk to amazing customer success professionals that bring in to you some of the tactics and strategies that actually work for them. And this is such a nascent industry that we all have to learn from each other. We can reinvent the wheel if we don't have to. And when you work at a startup, one of the top things on your mind is to deflect Support tickets because in early stage startups, you bet your life that your CSMs probably handle support tickets amongst other things. It's only once the CSM practice is mature that we can start having specialized roles, build up a support team, etc. And so, if you're in a startup and you're in a high growth startup, if you're not careful and you don't find an intelligent way to deal with support tickets, then as your client base grows, you're probably going to tackle the problem with people. People are expensive and it's not the most sophisticated way to deal with these things. So what should you be doing if you're expecting your client base to grow or you just feel buried with so many tickets and not enough people to handle them so that your customers can achieve their success, that they have good experience and retention is high. So I would like to welcome to today's podcast episode someone that actually dealt with it, solved it, and is here to tell you exactly how to do it so that you can have that kind of success and that kind of experience in your work as well. Peleg Sampson, welcome to our show. Thank
1: you, Ari. Thank you for having me.
0: Those who don't know Peleg, he is actually in Israel. I met him at the customer conference that was conducted in Israel, Tel Aviv, back in 2023. And he had a session just about that. Like, how do you deflect support ticket and how do you get to evolve a strategy that can reduce them significantly? He's also the VP of Customer Success at Giddy currently and has been a customer success and support manager in previous companies. And as if his plate is not already full, he also established the group in Israel for customer support managers, actually built your own community in Israel. What the hell were you thinking? Aren't you busy enough, Peleg?
1: I'm busy enough, that's for sure. But a couple of years ago, I sat with a friend for coffee. He was a support manager as well. And we started to discuss the fact that there's no like real community for customer support managers in Israel to discuss around support, innovation, and coming up with innovative ways to provide support to customers. And I started a Facebook group, and five years later, we're around 800 members, mostly customer support managers, directors, team leaders, VP customer success, VP customer support, all kinds of support managers. People are sharing their experience. So I welcome everyone from Israel or someone that wants to join abroad to join us.
0: I love it. It's a very vibrant community. It is on Facebook. Look, there's so many customer success executives that actually own the support function. And so if you're one of those people or you're just the head of support and you want to get advice, you want to connect with others in your industry, I'm going to include Peleg's LinkedIn profile. So you connect with him directly, tell him all about you and he'll plug you in. Being the expert that you are on support, one company that you worked at When you joined, they were fairly small and they had a lot of tickets. So tell me a little bit about what was the situation like? You came in as the support executive. And how many people did you actually have on your team at that time? How many support agents and maybe how many CSMs?
1: Yeah, so the group was around five people. We had already like 20 or so success managers across the globe. And we were like 300 people in the entire company. But support was sort of like this group that was left on the side. And I came in, I discovered tons of tickets in the backlog, and some were waiting for like two weeks, something like that, just for an initial response.
0: Lots of backlog. Obviously, very small team, huge CSM team, but very small support team surmounted with a ton of support tickets. And you clearly not having a budget to just hire more. So being the creative leader that you are, can you like in 50 seconds, tell me at a high level, what was the big initiative, the big idea that you had in mind? You don't have to dissolve it and break it apart yet, but just in general, what have you done?
1: I was really interested to understand what's in this huge backlog, what activities I can do to cut this number of tickets without extending my ad count at this point. Mm.
0: So that
1: was like the main idea, finding, coming up with a couple of places where we can deflect those tickets in the future and avoid them entirely.
0: Wow, I'm so curious. So obviously you analyzed what was going on, what was the source issue for Mm -hmm. so many tickets, and then you came up with this creative way to deal with it. Can't wait to hear more. At hindsight, before we dive into the details, if you haven't implemented it, what would have happened?
1: The reality was that the level of support that customers were getting was already leaking into other places. So throughout the ecosystem, there was like many review sites that reviewed the product and gave like bad reviews on support. So I would imagine that trend would continue because the backlog wasn't getting any smaller at this point. It was just increasing and increasing.
0: And in fact, you told me that within three years time after you joined, the customer base doubled.
1: Yes. One year later, the customer base doubled and we were already, with five people, we were getting around 1,600 tickets per month. It was a big amount. And the reality was that this backlog was, as the team was working and dedicated as they were, it was not going to be possible to decrease the amount just with the current headcount that I had at this
0: point. So before I ask how long did it take you to implement it, but what was the impact of this initiative that you took? Yeah. So the impact was
1: that basically within one year, from getting date where some tickets were waiting for an initial response of two days, the most the tickets were waiting after that in all tiers from the freemium to the, the enterprise level was no less than twenty four hours for the freemium and no more than eight hours in all of the severity levels of tickets for paying customers to a few hours. Yes. And then in terms of the backlog. In terms of the backlog, we got into a situation where we basically, we didn't have a backlog because all of the tickets that came in within a shift of eight, nine hours got answered within those eight, nine hours. In terms of like the time to resolution, the time that it takes to close the tickets, And that number also decreased in like a triple digit in percentage. So it was impactful to the customer experience. And in terms of the results, the ecosystem and the review sites were singing another tune.
0: Well, congratulations, that's amazing. You said your approach was to analyze what was causing the tickets, take proactive action, and then that's what caused the deflection of the tickets. You talk specifically How does this strategy or that tactic that you took on worked? What did you do first, second, third, and kind of walk us step-by-step through that journey to get to those amazing results?
1: First of all, I categorized the main issues that I saw in in the backlog. There were a couple of issues starting from the time it took customers. I would say the amount of friction and issues customers were having um, to migrate from other platforms to our platform. So that was like a very friction experience for customers and that involved sending us an export in a CNSV format. We try to import it, many, many issues because of different misalignments, a lot of customer frustration, a lot of internal frustration as well, because support people were like importing the content from the other platform and, and then they needed to redo it because there were issues in the process. So That was one issue, for example, that I discovered that was around 30% of our ticket were just on that thing of moving from a different platform. So that was one thing. The other thing I noticed that we didn't have enough documentation.
0: Basically you were asking yourself, what are the customers are asking for? And you analyze what takes so much time from your team. And one of the reasons was, is that we didn't have any documentations on how to deal with certain situations. So essentially, the team was reinventing the wheel instead of just grabbing the link with the knowledge base article and sending it to the client, for example.
1: That was exactly the case. And I remember, like any good support manager, I hounded on my team to generate and create more knowledge base articles and content. But in reality, they, they didn't do it. So at one point, I got sick of it. I told everyone, drop everything that you're doing, stop replying to that ticket, let's go into this conference room right now, Pick one topic that you know is high on a list of customers' tickets and let's write it together. And, and the thing that I discovered at that meeting that each of them had like its own route to solving this issue. And they started to discuss all of a sudden what's the best course of action? What can we do? How can we do it in the most efficient way to really solve it? And that was like the start of that initiative to become like a knowledge-centric organization where everyone is its own island working on its own process and flow into something that everyone is coming up together to create and generate content, which I also knew was critical because I needed to scale the team up. I needed that knowledge to be there in place for us to be able to scale up in terms of ad count.
0: Okay, so I just want to highlight a couple of brilliant things that you've done. One, you asked yourself the right question. Question number one, what are the customers keep asking about? And then categorize those topics so that when you do start creating knowledge-based articles. We know what to focus on the right things. Secondly, you uncovered what was the source of the issues or like, why do things take so long? And you ask yourself as a leader. And every time you go to a different organization going forward, Peleg, maybe the reason would be something else, but asking the right question is important. And then in that, you uncovered that the knowledge base should be actually developed in a different way. You did two brilliant things. You came up with this iconic of like knowledge centric, love that. And then the interpretation of that, it means that instead of just asking your support agents to create knowledge-based articles is to pick those hot topics of what clients are asking about and then sit them down in a room or a Zoom virtual room to talk together about what is the best course of action. Because what we as leaders sometimes don't know is that maybe everybody's dealing with a solution differently and there could be a best practices for how to resolve it that we can centralize in one knowledge-based article, in one video, in templates, and give the best solution to the customer immediately. And I think that for me, for this conversation, was a real aha moment I don't think that a lot of support executives think about that instead of developing those knowledge-based articles in silo or videos in silo, can we do this in group sessions?
1: Exactly. And, And we can, and obviously it takes a lot of time and take a lot of effort. If you want to set tone that knowledge is as important as answering those tickets, because at the end of the day, if you want to improve and if you want to scale up and if you want to do all of those things... The knowledge is one of the most key important things that you need to, to focus on. So that is definitely was one of them. And the other one was also understanding that not everything can be solved with a knowledge base article. So a lot of support managers, you have a knowledge base. You need to have a portal for customers to gain knowledge. But in reality, in some cases, that's outside of the customer flow. So the customer, he goes into your product, let's say for the argument's sake, a SaaS product. He goes into the product and he wants to use the product. He has a question and now he needs to find where that help center is, where that knowledge base is. After he found it, he needs to search for it and then he gets a bunch of results. Deflection in that aspect is very, very friction. And in most cases, customers wouldn't last that journey, that path to self-service. So what I've done in terms of this issue with the migration, for example, is that I understood it couldn't be solved in silo in support. It needs to be something that we do in collaboration and with the product team, because it needs to be inside the product. That flow of migrating from a different platform needs to be inside of the onboarding flow of the product. And what we've done is I basically said with the VP of product, I showed him the numbers. I said, look, we have this amount of tickets and the solution is is not that that hard. Let's Let's build some mechanism that do it automatically or at least prevent, at least in some cases, in some platforms that we're migrating from, we can do it automatically. So let's do it. And they were on board. So it's not always the case, but I think as long as you share the data with the product team and and you tell them and you explain like the motivation. From my experience, it's worth probably the effort that you need to invest in that because in that case, we like created the option to move from the top five competitors that we had automatically or semi-automatically. And basically that on its own decreased about 70% of those type of tickets.
0: Wow. Not only that, I think that the migration to other platforms used to be very manual, and now it was like almost like a click of a button or a few clicks and you're done. Mm -hmm. So before the support team had to handle probably like CSV file, and then if it wasn't formatted right, there's all this back and forth. Customers frustrated, your support agent lose a lot of time over it. And once you were able to have the right conversation with the product team, and I want to double click here for those who are listening to this podcast, you actually came with the data backing your request. This is how many support tickets. This is how long it takes us. This is the sound we have on those type of tickets. And so you were able to make your case or build a case for dedicating or moving this request to have this built into the product and give it some priority in the product roadmap. And so after that, automatic, what happened to the CSAT? What happened to the support tickets actually slashed, obviously, because there's a lot less issues when it's built in. Did anything happen to also customer satisfaction?
1: Yeah, so customer satisfaction was increased significantly it was averaged around the 25-ish and above percent of satisfaction. And I think one of the main reasons were that even for customers that didn't manage with the automated flow, we've done another thing. One of our team members in support was a developer. He developed like a system that allows you to take the file and verify it before you do the the actual import of it. And if there's any issues with the file, it finds it and catches it at, at this stage. So you can come back to the customer and tell him, look, in these rows, you need to change this type of content because it's mismatched or something like that. So it saved a lot of time and effort, both for the support team, but also for the customer and resulted in a much better uh, resolution time. So I think overall, it helped with a problem that was annoying for everyone, from the customers to the internal people that were dealing with it. It basically created a position for internal tools developer in support, which we we gave that guy this shot and now he's a team leader, leading engineers in that company. So I think overall, for us, it was a way, and this was the first thing that he developed. He developed many other things later on that helped us scale up. The number of tickets decreased, but the number of customers doubled. At the end of the day, managing to decrease those amount of tickets with this solution, the automated import and the addition of the knowledge base articles that we generated made a big impact.
0: Did you discover any repeatable tasks that the team was doing, anything that was inefficient beyond the lack of knowledge base, beyond the understanding what customers are demanding, like what they're dealing with the most... Was there like anything that was manual or like repeatable that was just redundant that you were able to eliminate as well?
1: I think a lot of it was around the topic of helping customers implement different customizations in the product. So one of the ideas that we had was to have like a university for customers to be able to to educate themselves on how to do all of those activities on their own. So that's one thing that we've done and alleviate and the university was under the support team. So it was a good way to push these agendas for self-service even a couple of years ago where it was less of a a big thing. The most critical thing was to align the team in terms of tiers and making sure that each of the tiers handle things to the limit of their capacity. So one of the big major things that helped us scale in terms of headcount was that we hired a lot of entry-level people basically train them on the product and also we train them on how to support and we got to a situation where around 88% of tickets are closed by tier 1 and that means that the higher level tiers which are less available usually more busy and can handle lesser load was more free to solve unknown issues document the solution and then these issues would pass on to the tier ones in essence so that was another thing that helped optimize and scale up in terms of the support team.
0: Okay. So you doubled down on tier one and you confessed to me, like, it wasn't like you doubled down you hired 20 people for tier one. You It was less than five. So overall, after three years, the team still wasn't huge, but the customer base doubled up yeah. and yet the experience around technical support resolution was absolutely extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it was different and it was something that the entire company showed. So it was a real great success story. Also internally and from a team that was pretty much got the award once in a company event for the most quiet team. It was a quiet person, but they made it a team trophy. And I remember... The team was assaulted by that, but a couple of months after the team was considered like major team within the company, we started getting involved in product discoveries and finding issues before even the feature was developed, finding like what could be the problems that we will encounter and tackle them proactively. So I think that mentality of ticket deflection and proactive approach and finding ways to constantly improve. How we do things was the main game changer. It was like a culture thing.
0: My main key takeaways are if you own customer support and there's a lot of issues with tickets and bandwidth, first of all, ask the right questions. You mentioned about three questions. Question number one is what are the customers keep asking for in terms of support tickets? Can you categorize the tickets? Pinpoint specific issues that keep choking your team's bandwidth. And then what is the team mostly busy with? What takes most of your team's time? And are there any like support tickets or issues they deal with repeatedly and having to reinvent the wheel every time? And with that, make a list of the issues that you're finding. Maybe do a little bit of a Pareto or like a quadrant. What would be the least amount of time to solve? with the most impact and kind of arrange them. Sometimes it would mean that you have to rethink how you're creating your knowledge-centric culture in your organization. Maybe do things a little differently. Think about the formatting, the tools you're using, how accessible, readable, easy to consume, up-to-date your knowledge base is. And sometimes you'll have to work with other team members to hash out. Is there an impact on the product roadmap that needs to happen in order to deliver a better customer experience and deflect those tickets? And thirdly, you might need to revisit how you do your tiers and how you resource and hire so that your best people are in tier two and your junior people are actually quite effective in tier one. And then I think the final takeaway was, If you have a rising star within your team that can leverage automation and make your team more sophisticated from a technology standpoint, give them a chance, give them opportunities to contribute so that you can come up with a scalable solutions without being dependent on other teams and you can implement technologies and tools to deliver a better customer experience. If I were a head of a CS owning support or a new support executive What are the three things, like if you had to do this all over again, I guess when you started this process, maybe you had some fears, maybe there were some barriers to success. Maybe you could share that. Like, what are the gotchas? What are the things that I need to be just paying attention to as I approach fixing ticket overwhelm issue within my company?
1: Most of it is to focus on team dynamics, because it sounds like it might not be like a thing that you need to look at, but team dynamics usually define how the team are working. And once you look at team dynamics, so if I look, take my example, my team dynamics was that every employee was its own island working on its own tickets, not sharing knowledge, not sharing ideas who are basically like head down, work on issues to the level that the first time I met with the product team, they told me like, we want to hear from the support team, but nobody's talking to us. So I think that's the first thing is like look at team dynamics. It will uncover probably a lot of issues in a lot of different places and make sure that you enlist the people to help you with that instead of trying to macro manage the situation. You need to instill independence, some level of, investment on their part into what you're trying to achieve ensure that they get all of the tools and support from you to do that. Once you have that, I think whatever the situation is, you will be okay.
0: What kind of tools did you end up using? You said, well, the team is bound to be successful based on the technology stack that they have available. Did you end up investing in any technology in order to execute on some of these initiatives and get to the deflection of basically have zero tickets to deflect, more or less. So we developed a couple of internal things, like we
1: converted a support form to something much more interactive where you needed to choose certain things. We float certain information to you. And in terms of tools, investing in tools that makes team life easier. One example of that is investing in shift planning, investing in a bonus plan, investing in things that get the team on the agenda and making sure that they are aligned with the vision. And there were a lot of times that I wasn't sure it was going to work. And in reality, it was actually better than I planned.
0: How long did it take? Like realistically, I mean, it takes maybe a few weeks or a few months to analyze what's going on, presented, get the buy-in from your own team, from other teams. You were completely dependent on the product to actually develop this integration. In reality, it probably took you like almost a year to get everything in place and start seeing results, I would think.
1: I think it took around eight to nine months when we started to see the initial result, both in terms of the major trend that decreased was, it took it a bit of time together, but eight to nine months, we started to see the results. It took about around a year to look at the graph and see like the time to first response go this way and the time to resolution and the customer satisfaction score going up. And, and we invested a lot in finding unhappy customers. That's another initiative maybe that worth mentioning. Locating these unhappy customers on all of the platforms, coming back to them, making sure that we correct their experience and give them a better experience. And soon we didn't even have to do that because everything was like raves on with the support people name and it was fun for me as a manager. Also to reflect that to the entire company and show them how much customers are loving our support.
0: Well, congratulations. And I hope you won some more awards around this initiative because it's absolutely extraordinary. I love how you rethought the concept of knowledge centricity and the, how you approach developing knowledge base. I feel like we could have two or three more conversations around comp plans, around how to build a knowledge base that is effective, how to even write these knowledge-based articles and formatting and design, like every like I think the that sometimes the devil is in the details. You, that's what I think. And I think there's so much underlying things that you've done to make this work. But I want to appreciate you for sharing your framework, the way you think, the way you operate, the way you lead the team and get to extraordinary results with persistent, with intellect and with resolution. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys, if you like this video, give it a like. If you want to hear more about how to uplift your technical support practice, let me know. We can have additional customer success and customer support executives come in and talk about how they deal with technical issues with clients. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It helps the channel a lot when you do so. And with that, this is Zareed signing off. I'll see you at the next video.